everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I want to work through a, a problem that is pretty common to many of us. The title of the episode is How to Respond When Members and Pastors Disagree. And so I want to work through a little bit of conflict resolution, and I trust that this podcast will be helpful for you. Perhaps you are in some kind of conflict with your leadership team at your local church. By the way, this will work pretty much in any relational construct, whether it's a local church or a family or an organization where Christians are gathered. Where Christians are gathered, there tends to be disagreement, and we all have our opinions, and sometimes our opinions can be sharp and and they can be in conflict with others, and we want to know how to work through those conflicts. And so I'm going to deal specifically with how to work through conflict within the local church. And what I have for you is a mind map that I created to go along with this. So those of you who are listening by audio, if you have the time available, well, one, you can take a look at the mind map, which is in the show notes, and this is episode 340. But I'm also doing a screen recording as I am doing this uh, episode right now. And so you can watch it visually if you want to, and, and that will bless you better because you can visually see what I am working through. But again, conflict is normal. It happens to all of us. We will not get through life without conflict, and knowing how to work through it is essential. As always, if you have any questions for us, you're welcome to ask them. We have active forums. They're open 24-7. Uh, there's no cost to you. They are underwritten by our financial partners, people who support our ministry. And so we want to serve you because I realize that this episode will not perfectly map over your situation. And it would be, uh, I'm, I'm also confident that you will have questions that you want to ask. And so I want you to do that. What I would appeal to you to do is listen to the episode uh, take the time to watch the video that goes with the episode. And then I have accompanying articles also in episode 340 in the show notes. And you can click on and read those accompanying articles. And if that doesn't provide you with all the insight, the clarity, the direction that you need, then please, please, please uh, interact with us. Come to our forums and let us serve you. So as you look at this mind map, and again, I'm just going to talk through it as though you're watching it, but I will work hard to be clear for those of you who are only listening by audio. And so as you look at this mind map, you will see that it it is in three layers. There's an upper section, a center section, and a lower section. In the upper section, I want to talk briefly about some of the decisions that pastors make and elders and lead teams make, and I just want to walk through that carefully. And then the center section, I want to walk through a pastor making a decision and it not sitting right with all of the church members. And so I want to walk through that section, the center section. And then finally, the lower section, I want to talk about the sin element because that tends to happen, right? When someone makes a decision, whether it's in the family or a local church in context of this audio video, 
well, there will be sin. There's there's a high probability of somebody sinning against another, and I want to walk through how to resolve the sin issue as well. And so this is episode 340, how to respond when members and pastors disagree. So here's the setup. A pastor makes a decision, a a leadership direction that he wants to take the church in. And so he announces this is what the church is going to do. Now, for sake of this a podcast here, the request that the pastor is making is not a sinful request, okay? He's not making a sinful request. It's really more along the lines of a preference, but this preference does not sit well with everybody in the local church, okay? So it's a non-sinful request direction that the pastor is leading the church in, all right? So I want to talk about these decisions that pastors make, and that is the upper part of this mind map that you're looking at. So I'm going to expand it out. And I want to walk through, shepherding is a very difficult job. Uh, it, it really is. It, it is hard to pastor people. Uh, parents know this. I mean, if you're shepherding your family, you have two, three, four children, you know it is hard to shepherd children because there's things that you have to do, there's directions that you have to take, and it's just not going to sit well with everyone. Well, imagine taking that up to a hundred people or a hundred children or 200 that your family grows exponentially and now you're pastoring, let's say, 300 people or more and you make a decision, there is no way in the world that everybody is going to agree with the decision. And so I, I want to walk through in this upper tier of this mind map three kinds of decisions that pastors make. The first one is, I've titled here, What Does the Bible Say? Now, those are clear decisions. The Bible is explicit on a few things. Thou shall do this, and thou shalt not do that. And this is the area where most of us, will, there will be more agreement in this area because it's clear in Scripture. It's explicit. And so when a pastor says, this is what we're going to do, or this is not what we're going to do because the Bible explicitly states it, well, there you go. And we, we really want to get on board with that because it's clear. So that's the easiest part of decision making, even though at those moments it can still get convoluted and we can still disagree. And then there's another kind of decision that a pastor or a lead team will make, and I call, I'm calling these here wisdom issues, where the pastor has his thumb on the pulse of the church, and he's talking to God about the church. He sees the church from a, a macro perspective, not a micro perspective. Often church members will see the church from a micro perspective, usually their, their own perspective, their limited view of things, where a pastor has he, he's factoring in many opinions and many personalities and many needs. It, it is a global view of the local church. A pastor has both of those views, both the macro and the micro, and sometimes he has to make wisdom issues, and this is what I call for the greater good. 
The Bible doesn't explicitly say thou shalt or thou shalt not. And it's important for us to understand this when it comes to all the decisions that we make in our lives. Very few of the decisions that we make are explicitly laid out in Scripture. The overwhelming majority of the decisions that we make on a daily and weekly and a lifetime basis are not laid out in black and white in Scripture. What time should you get up? What food should you eat? The type of exercise regimen you should have, the car you should purchase, the community you should live, the job you should have. The Bible will not give you explicit information on those. And so those are wisdom issues. It goes under this big umbrella of wisdom issues. Some people have this false notion that, well, if the Bible doesn't state it, then I'm not interested in it. Well, that's a naive position because the Bible doesn't state much. I mean, what you would actually be requesting is that the Bible be an omniscient book which means there's no way the world could contain this, the, the book because it was so big and we would not be able to read it or to move it around because it would have so much data in it. And so the Bible gives us, God gives us wisdom to make decisions where they're not explicitly laid out in Scripture. And it is important for us to understand that because if you tie a pastor down or if you tie someone down to, and I used to have this pastor that said this one time. He says, if you can't give me Scripture in verse, don't bother me. Well, that sounds great on a bumper sticker, but it, it makes no sense whatsoever in practical life because that's not how life works for the Christian. And so we have to walk in wisdom and we want to be illuminated by the Spirit of God, and we want to cooperate with God based on where we are at this juncture in our sanctification journey, and we make decisions. And, and you, you've had that experience, I'm sure. You made decisions in the earlier part of your Christian experience, and now you've changed your mind on those things because you have matured. You have grown in wisdom. And so I would just appeal to anyone that gets locked in on if the Bible doesn't state it clearly, then I'm not interested in it. You, you just can't live your life that way. And so in this part of decision-making, I'm calling it wisdom issues, and then I also state here for the greater good. I give a couple of illustrations, just general illustrations that people would, I think, understand. Uh, so the pastor makes a decision about the music preference of the church. That's one of my illustrations. It's a wisdom issue because the Bible is not that explicit on the kind of music that we have. And the reason I state use music as an illustration because that is a hot-button item for many people, like, for example, between contemporary and conservative music. So that's a wisdom issue, and the shepherd is the pastor, and the lead team is the, the elder board is leading the church in, in this way of a wisdom issue for the greater good in music preference. Another illustration I have is community outreach. You know, should we be, be more evangelistic than we are? Uh, should we be less evangelistic? Uh, what should our community outreach look like? The Bible doesn't tell us how to do that or what it should look like or what the proportions or percentages should be between discipleship within the body, the local body, the membership, and then the attenders, and then the community as far as evangelism is concerned. And so all of this falls under the 
the umbrella of wisdom issues. And then I have a third category here called biblical extrapolations, things that you extrapolate from the Bible even though it's not explicitly stated in the Bible, and I call this purposeful freedom. You could also say these are preferences. These are preferences that are derived from Scripture. They do not go outside of biblical boundaries, but they become preferential. And two illustrations that I have here under biblical extrapolations are expository preaching versus topical preaching, which is, again, another issue with with some people. It would be all expository or all topical or all uh, or, or a mixture between. We have purposeful freedom to make these decisions because we extra- extrapolate our preferences from the Bible. So these are the three big themes on decision-making. What does the Bible say? Number one, that's usually pretty clear. Number two, wisdom issues. As you walk with God and where you are at this juncture with your walk with God, and you do something for the greater good because you're looking at the macro and you make a decision for the church and you move in that direction, and then things that you extrapolate from the Bible. So that is just a quick overview of some of the shepherding decisions that a pastor will make and then some of the reasons that they, or what what the motivation is or what category that these decisions will fit. All right, so now the second tier of this mind map is the pastor makes a request for the church. And again, the title of this episode is 340, How to Respond When Members and Pastors Disagree. And so now we're at the center section, and this is the heart of it. A pastor makes a decision. And for the sake of this episode, it is a non-sinful request for the direction the church to take. It may fall in the category of what the Bible says. Maybe it's a wisdom issue. Maybe it's a biblical extrapolation. And so this is a conscience issue for the leadership team. This is the direction that we really need to go. Now, there are two responses from the church members uh, to this non-sinful request. One of them is, yes, I can do this. Uh, We agree or maybe we don't even agree, but we'll, we'll go with it. We'll go with it, and, and therefore you end up with, with unity. And then there's another group uh, within the church as well, hopefully a whole lot smaller, and they say, no, I cannot do that. I don't agree with that, and it is a conscience issue with them. So now you have two people with a conscience issue, the pastor who is Uh, making the decision, the direction for the church to take, and then you have the church member who has a conscience issue that is antithetical to the pastor's conscience. And so there we we are. We're polarized at this point where the church member cannot go in this direction. And so that raises a question. Can I be part of this body anymore? That's the question that we're now asking. Can I be part of this body? Should I leave? There's a couple things to think about at this juncture. One is, can you overlook it? You don't have to change your conscience. You can still disagree with the leadership or the direction that the leadership is going, but can I overlook it? And you, if you can overlook it, well, then you will be unified with the leadership even though you don't agree. Now, marriage is functioning this way as well. There is no way that a husband and wife will be 100% in 
in unity on every decision that is made. But there has to be compromises on one side or the other. The husband gives a little. The wife gives a little. They can overlook it because unity is is more important, even though they believe differently on the matter. Families can do this, should do this. Relationships, friendships should do this as well. We should be able to overlook a lot. We can't die on every hill. We just can't. Now, if the decision is truly, the Bible says, thou shall or thou shalt not, and the leadership team and the membership are disagreeing over that, we would really need to get into it, like, does the Bible really state this explicitly? But what you're going to find in most cases is that what we're disagreeing over are wisdom issues that we're making for the greater good, or biblical extrapolations, we're using purposeful freedom to make decisions uh, for a direction or an idea that we are incorporating within our church. And so what we have is a pastor has done that. Uh, A church member or a certain number of the church members can't overlook it. And so the question that they have to ask as to whether they stay or leave this local body is how divisive are they going to be. What they cannot be is divisive. You just can't be divisive. That is, that is, divisive is a synonym for being sinful. We don't want to do that. It can destroy a church. And if you can't overlook it and you can't change your conscience, then what you need to do, you need to consider possibly leaving uh, the local assembly and finding another church so that unity can continue. And so that's the center section. There's a conscience issue that's made by the pastor. Some people agree, and they're unified. Other people can't, and so they have to work through overlooking it, not coming, not becoming divisive, potentially leaving that local church. And then the third section of this mind map is when either party is sinning. And so the first part is just an overview of decisions, the second tier is when it becomes a conscience issue and we agree or we disagree. And then this third section gets a little more complicated when one or both of the parties are sinning against each other. Now, when there's sin happening, the thing that you do is that you approach the person. If you can't overlook the sin, now it's possible that you can overlook the sin. Pastors do this all the time. Parents do this all the time. Uh, you, You don't want to nickel and dime. You don't want to approach every time that someone is sinning. You have higher aims in mind. You have a bigger goal in in view, and and you are aiming toward that, and so you're just going to overlook. But in this case, you don't want to overlook it. You want to approach the person who is sinning, whether it's a pastor is sinning. Let's say the pastor was harsh. Let's say the pastor was an authoritarian, heavy-handed type who just laid this legislation down and, and just did it in a super dictatorial, unkind way. It was really sinful. Maybe the idea that he had is, was not sinful, but the way that he communicated it was sinful. And maybe this is part of, systemic, of a systemic pattern in his life, and you want to approach him about this. Somebody needs to approach him. Or it could be that the church member is sinning. 
that they don't like the direction that the church is going, and they are being divisive. They are slandering. They are entertaining gossip. Uh, This becomes a back-channel conversation with a growing number of people, and it's starting to divide the church, and the church member is sinning. Well, when that happens, this is the bottom section of this mind map here. When that happens, then the two parties need to talk. They need to approach each other. Somebody needs to take the lead and approach the individual who is sinning. Now, there are two things that's going to happen when you approach another person who is potentially sinning. They will either listen to you or they won't listen to you. And I want to deal with both of those in this lower tier of this mind map that you're looking at. I will take the listen to you part first. Let's say that you approach your pastor who was unkind about how he laid down this new direction of the church, or you're approaching the church member who has become, who has, who has become divisive, and they listen to you. And you say, hey, I, I believe that the way you have handled this has been sinful. Now, there are two options here. They will either agree with you or they will disagree with you. If they agree with you and they say, yeah, you're right, uh, what, the way that I handled this was sinful, my attitude was sinful, I agree with you, and then there will be a, that confession, of course, and then there will be a request for forgiveness, and then they will reconcile, and they will be unified, and, and you will have unity at that point, the sin is cleared up and everybody just moves on. It's taken care of. And then you'll have a situation where they will listen to you, but they won't agree with you. No, I don't believe that I was being sinful. And, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't believe that I was being sinful in that moment. And so I agree to disagree. And that's fine. I mean, that's fine, and, and this should happen many times in your marriage. If you're married, this should happen many times in your marriage where you can bring up something to someone like what I'm describing here, and your spouse just, well, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I just, I'm not seeing it. I'm just not seeing it. And so what I'm saying in essence is I don't agree with you, but you can reconcile. Just agree to disagree. You can do that. And you can maintain unity. So this is when both parties are truly listening to each other and trying to understand each other, trying to understand each other's perspective. You either agree and maintain unity, or you agree to disagree and you maintain unity. And we have to do this. There are so many areas in our lives with our friends, with our family, within our church, to where we just do not agree. I was talking with someone yesterday who was sharing a perspective that I don't agree with, but I love my brother, and we are truly reconciled, and we're truly in unity with each other. It just ain't no thing. I hear his perspective. I understand his perspective. He hears mine. He understands mine. We just can't come to terms on it but we are unified, and it's just not a thing. And that is a best-case scenario when someone— now, we weren't sinning against each other, but when someone sins against each other, you approach them, 
there's listening and understanding, there's reconciliation either through agreement, you're on the same page, or you continue to disagree, but you're still on the same page and you reconcile. And then there's another leg to this mind map under this sin aspect, and that is where you approach the person, but they won't listen. Uh, they, they won't entertain this. They're not seeking to learn from it. Now, you have some options here. And so let's say in this case, the pastor was sinning in his delivery. It was heavy-handed, authoritative, and he was just unkind and harsh and kind of just ramrodding his, his uh, decision direction through the church that this is how we're going to go, and just did it in a very unkind way, and you approach him. Now, again, you can switch this around, and you can say the same thing to a church member who's being divisive, but you approach him, and they won't listen. Now, you have three things that you need to work through at this point. You can overlook it, and you really want to ask yourself, can I overlook this? Maybe that is the answer. And if you can overlook it, then, well, it's going to lead to unity, and, and you'll just move on, uh, even though this person would not listen. I mean, who knows? Maybe by you overlooking it, that they will come back later, and you can enter into that conversation because you didn't make a stink out of it. You just overlooked it. And that's one of these situations where you're playing the long game. You have a bigger thing in view here, so I'm going to overlook it because I think that we'll be able to come around and, and work through this at a later time, or whatever your motivation is, uh, pot, your biblical motivation is for overlooking, you can do that. Okay, so they, they won't listen, and so then the next thing that you want to do as you work through the overlooking thing, do all that you can do that depends upon you, and that is right out of Romans 12 playbook. Do all that you can do that depends upon you. And you, you can work toward unity at that point. You, you let, so now let's say that you can't overlook it. You've done everything that you could possibly do, and you still have to deal with it. And that's the third option on this mind map here is you confront. You're not just approaching the person to talk about it, but now you're making a confrontation. And this is Matthew 18. And so you follow the steps that laid out in Matthew 18. Now, in this episode 340, I have an article here, How to Help a Person Get Right with God. That article is actually me walking through Matthew 18 of what people call church discipline, what I prefer to call church restoration. I mean, there is an element of discipline to it, but ultimately the goal is for restoration. And so you can read my article on church discipline restoration uh, in the show notes here of episode 340. So now you're confronting the person, Matthew 18. Now one or two things are going to happen at this point. This process is going to work, and it truly is going to become restoration, and you can reconcile, which will lead to unity. Or you get to the end of the Matthew 18 process, and you really just have to turn it over to God. You have to turn it over to God. You have to let it go. I mean, let it go as far as stop putting a stick in it and just turn it over to God and make it a matter of prayer. And maybe at that point that you'll have to separate either the church member, uh, you need to ask the church member to leave or 
the church church member chooses to leave or you ask the pastor to leave and there's been situations i heard of one recently in fact in the last episode episode 339 i talked about two pastoral situations where the pastors were asked to step down uh, from their pastor which they which they did and so there was separation that happened at that point which ultimately ultimately leads to unity within that local body, whether the pastor leaves or the church member leaves. And so this is uh, episode 340, how to respond when members and pastors disagree. I have a laid out mind map here for you. It is embedded in the show notes, and so you can download this mind map if you want. You could use it. It would make a good Bible study a good small group conversation, a good resource within an elder board, for example. It would be good for family members. And really, in any relational context, you could change the titles and some of the ideas here, and you can map this over any relational context because to get in conflict is is easy to do, and it happens all the time, and you really cannot avoid it. And you want to work hard at having a process of thinking through these things because, again, we just came through a very difficult year in 2020 with COVID, and there were hills that people died on that maybe they shouldn't have died on. There was a lot of conflict, a lot of controversy, and knowing how to work through conflict is absolutely essential. So if you want to talk about this, if you want to talk about anything on the mind map, uh, please jump on our forums and we would love to discuss these things with you. That's what we do. It would be our joy to serve you. Perhaps you have another question that you want to ask. You're welcome to ask that as well. And uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.